Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Final hour is here. Tennessee Power Hour is here on Outkick 360 with Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer. We are live from 6th and Peabody. Glad you're with us across the Outkick network. That includes YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, You can stream us live there. Uh, You can also hear us in the Upper Cumberland on Sports Radio 104.7, Fox Sports Knoxville, Fox Sports Shoals, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Huntsville, Florence, Glad everyone's with us this afternoon. Plenty of Titans talk headed your way this hour. Uh, a lot to get to with the Vols, uh, the Commodores, and much more. Uh, we'll start with the Tennessee Titans, who begin life without Derrick Henry. They signed Adrian Peterson yesterday to their practice squad. Today they announced they've also signed running back DeAndre, uh, Deontay Foreman. Uh, he was with this team briefly last year and uh, knows this system that they're running. There is a roster spot. I believe that remains open, uh, an active roster spot. Keep in mind, you can call up two players from your practice squad each week that do not count against your 53-man, but will count against your 48-man game day roster. Um, so right now, they could just keep one less player inactive, theoretically. Uh, but maybe they're making a move later this week as they get someone in uh, for a tryout. Don't know, but uh, something to ponder. Um Diana Rossini reported earlier this morning that the surgery for Derrick Henry went well, uh, which is great news. And No surgery has ever not gone well on the day that it's taken place, just as a... So you wouldn't side. have reported that? It, well, I, I would have reported okay. it, but there's, there's never been a report that a surgery didn't go well, so there's nothing else we would have heard today. Um, but just, just mentioning what she tweeted and uh, assuming that it's correct, that it went well. Um, no complications there. So that, that, that's good news. And, and now we turn our attention to his rehab process. Vrabel said yesterday, Paul, that we don't, he didn't know as soon, like how soon he would be back in the facility, but in a conversation with Henry, he definitely wanted him back as soon as possible, even if he's not practicing, playing, doing anything like that. Yeah, they discussed it. He wanted to be back in the building as soon as he could. The team wants him back in the building as soon as he could. This is nice. Um, but keep in mind, uh, you know, other teams, Bill Parcells famously, you know, would ostracize the injured guy and keep him away. So Derrick Henry's presence will be a nice thing for guys, but there's not much he can do. You well, know, he's Vrabel, a glorified. Let's not use Parcells. Let's use Vrabel as the example. Vrabel doesn't want injured guys on the practice field. Yeah. So, I mean, you're a, a glorified cheerleader or a presence. They need new leadership to take over. Yeah. And to come to terms very quickly, Tony Deuce said this today. Keith Carter said this today. <clears throat> Keith Carter said it. Got to get over the disappointment of what has happened and mm-hmm. block for the guys who are back there. Uh, I've said this time and time again, you know, uh, in, in my early days of covering the Titans, um, you know, a free agent would leave and move on and, and fans would make it like, you know, guys get in the first huddle of training camp and look around like, oh, my God, he's not here. That's not how it works, you know. I mean, listen, this team is hurting that Derrick Henry's not there. But in the first practice huddle of tomorrow, they're not looking around thinking, oh, Derrick's not in here. 
He might not have been there anyway because he gets a lot of Wednesdays off. But you get my point. Yeah. You look around at the 10 guys who are with you in the huddle and go to the line of scrimmage to play with the 10 guys who are with you. You're, you can't spend any time thinking about who's not with you. If you, may, if you do, you're doomed. It may be the case in practice, but they are going to start looking around the first time they're getting smacked around with no running game, and they're going to quickly remember, oh, that's right, the big guy's not here. And that's going well, to be that's going to be that's going to be a slight factor. It's it's why I said Titans fans should not overreact to whatever happens in this game. If it goes really badly against the Rams, you got to allow for the Titans a couple of weeks to figure out who they are now. I agree, and that's coaching staff, that's players, that's everyone, that's on everyone to look around and say, okay, he's not here. We have to do this now. We know who the alpha on offense is. It's AJ Brown. And he's going to want to get fed even more now that Derrick Henry's not there. But they still have to run the football. Yeah, They've got to find the right pieces to, to run the ball. And it's not going to be Adrian Peterson stepping in being the guy right off the bat. He's not going to step in, okay, now Derrick Henry's gone. Now give it to me a lot. And it's huh, not going to be talk, that immediately either. We talked a lot about how the coverage of A.J. Brown would change when Julio Jones arrived. Now, the coverage of A.J. Brown is about to change without Derrick Henry there because these nine-man boxes are going away. And think about this. If if you're playing 12, if you're in two tight end with the Titans, don't play as much but may play more now, um, the Titans traditionally see a base defense out of that Mm -hmm. because people want to stop Henry and they want to be big. They have no reason to be big out of that anymore. They'll go smaller. There'll be more defensive backs on the field. Those defensive backs are going to be targeting A.J. Brown instead of a bigger defense targeting Derrick Henry. Changes the dynamic. I'm a little surprised. I don't know if you guys have sensed this amongst the fans who go from Derrick Henry is MVP and it's a crime that he's not being considered, which is a fair argument, to we'll be fine with Adrian Peterson and, and, and Foreman. And... Uh, in J-Rob and Vrabel we trust, which I understand to a degree. Like the Titans at outside linebacker have made do at times with with garbage depth, right? Last year they won the division with nobody at outside linebacker outside of Harold Landry. But this is a different deal. And we'll see. They might do okay in the long run, but this is a much, much bigger change in well, dynamic. It's, it's much different and bigger in a change of dynamic because when they lose their starting corners, the entire league is not after the Titans starting corners. Correct. They can easily plug and play guys and get by with guys off the, the scrap heap. Especially if they can rush come in and play it. They can bring guys off the practice squad and probably do fine with that drop-off. The drop-off from Derrick Henry to anyone else is so great. And that would be the same anywhere across the league with him and the way he runs. So, yeah, I mean, it's a completely different thing, but it's also not some impossibility. And we've seen it before with Mike Vrabel for the Titans to get creative and become something new without Derrick Henry. They're not going to be the same Titans. They're not going to be capable of being that same team on offense, but they're still capable of good things if they adjust. They'd also have to massively fail to not reach expectations of some fans who just want to win the division. Yeah, in a lot of I'm ways, we're here, talking about January. I'm sitting here thinking, I've been talking about January for a, since last February. Yeah. Like, and and it, my point here is, of course fans are going to be optimistic about they're going to pick up and move on because they have a three-game division lead 
and to win the division outright mathematically, all they have to do is win four AFC games. That's it. The Colts are screwed. They have no mathematical chance, even if the Colts went on some magical run. If the Titans beat the Jags, they beat the Texans twice, and then they pick up a win towards the end of the season with one of the AFC teams remaining, that's all she wrote. They've got 97% chance. They're taking uh, care of business. 97% chance of winning the division because of what they did while they had Derrick Henry. The Colts have to go, I think, uh, 8-2, and or is it? They, they can only lose two games or three games down the stretch. They're not doing that. No. So for fans, Paul, that say, oh, all is well. Well, all is well. They're going to finish the season, and they're going to have a home game for a playoff game. Yeah, those fans, to Hutton's point, right. those fans yeah, a, are great because the whole goal is to host a playoff game to, and get to the postseason. Is to, is to win the division. Right. Well, that's If done. that's the goal, then you're fine. Right. Well, we got to adjust the goal. Well, let's not adjust the goal whenever, uh, to the fans' point, I'm giving them benefit of the doubt here that you're complaining about when you read off what, the, what has to happen for them to mathematically lose the division yeah, yesterday. they're fine with that. And on top of that, Vrabel said eight weeks at the podium yesterday. I, uh, so tell me how fans should be optimistic with what we heard. He said well, if anybody could do it, Henry could do it. Henry so of course might, they're going to react Henry that way. Henry might do it. I, I think it's a big mistake to think that Derrick Henry is going to come back and be what Derrick Henry now, let, let me Let me let me tag this this way, too. I, I find it very interesting that guys like Ian Rappaport, and it may be just him, I, I should give him more he credit. He said there, six. There is a divide. I mean, he's the well, guy that... Well, the, let's, let's, just, let's just put it out there. Rappaport's giving a time frame. Schefter is on halftime last night saying it's likely... Henry will miss the remainder of the season. Very different phrasing for a guy who had surgery this morning. And I think Rappaport is saying 6 to 10 or 6 to 12. But I think Rappaport at least initially started at 6. I, again, but from everything right, I've read, Schefter has been adamant from the beginning, Probably season ending. Season. And I know at halftime he said it, I was watching. Monday Night Football pregame, he doubled down on this is a season-ending injury for for Derrick Henry and Rappaport. He's not ruling him out, and Mike Frabel's not ruling him out for possibly returning. Well, they're not. The, the NFL.com headline was Titans hopeful that uh, Henry will return this season, and then within seconds you see the Titans.com headline that says timeline un, undetermined on Henry. You know, it's just all these – no one knows – but I think it's interesting that the top two foremost newsbreakers right now, with Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport, are saying very different things in terms of a timeline. One is giving hope. The other one is saying, hey, don't have much because it's highly unlikely he's going to play again this season. So then my mind immediately goes to who are their sources? Which wow. source is telling Schefter there's no way he can come back? Which source is telling Ian Rappaport from inside the Titans building? Oh, no, no, no. This guy can come back. Well, one one of them is the agent, and the agent, I think, is going to be optimistic, right? He doesn't want to dismiss his clients. I I disagree. I think inside the building is optimistic because they want that dude back in the playoffs. The agent is protecting his client. Yeah. The agent is saying the idea of him returning is energy. The the agent, Paul, is saying you're getting paid either way. Get completely healthy, come back next year. Let's get some more money down the road. Also, we'll surprise people if you're back. I would I would absolutely right. believe that it would be a Vrabel J Rob type connection telling Ian Rappaport he could possibly come back. Keep hope alive. Because what's the I mean, if if we're just looking at it selfishly here, yeah. what's the benefit to Derrick Henry 
rushing back. The benefits to the Titans, and he is a team guy. I'm not saying he's not, but you know we got that we're in the Tennessee Power Hour, so we can mention Tennessee the Tennessee Vols. I talked about yesterday with Harrison Bailey. Well, you're a team guy, but you're doing what's right for you because you don't want to practice anymore, or play games. So you're out. You know it. You leave. Well, that's his right to make that move. If we're looking at it at the same scale of what's the right thing to do, come back at 60-70%, possibly not be completely ready to go, but give your team the threat, give your team the play-action ability, if you're Derrick Henry, versus an agent and his team around him saying, get completely healthy for 2022. Let's come back 100% in 2022. Let's make sure that happens. Well, I passed you along, Hut. Um, Javon Curse suffered this. When he first suffered it, um, Jeff Fisher said six weeks. I can't remember. It was longer than six weeks. And he came back, finished very poorly, and immediately had surgery after that season ended, a secondary surgery more serious that needed a new, screw, new hardware and a bone graft um, that – that turned it into an off-season of yeah, recovery. Yeah, so he ended up missing 12 games, you said, in this text to me. Had just 11 tackles, two sacks, four quarterback pressures. Was back for how many Once he games? returned, a final four. So he, Fisher said six weeks. He missed 12 games. So there was a coach setting a timetable, being optimistic. Missed double the time. And this is a, a guy that's not as foot-reliant. I don't want to say that. I mean, you're pushing off the foot, but it's not the same level of pounding on every play, right? Would you? Oh, yeah. It's a different, different deal I, for I think running it would back be, versus a pass rush. Just like Mike Vrabel said, if anybody can do it, it's, it's him. And others have said that. I would be very hesitant to make hard and fast rules about Derrick Henry's body and its ability to heal. Yeah, I think One the, way or the other, not just based on weight and position, everything else. Doctors are going to look at that. I understand it. Everyone heals differently. That's, that's why you can't say if anybody could do it, it's him. Because you have no idea what, what happened in the foot. Agreed. It could be a slight thing that is, is very favorable, or it could be a bad one that's unfavorable. So we can't apply what we've applied. And I think Bill Barnwell wrote this line, which is good. We all say this guy seems otherworldly, right? And it's not bound to happen to him. We've said it with other people. We really said it with Derrick Henry. Until it's him, right? It's not going to happen to him, or it seems very unlikely. It seems like he'll extend, extend, extend to be able to take the load until the moment comes that well, Vrabel, he hasn't Vrabel taken said the load. it had nothing to do with workload. I, I think that's a not, lie. I, I don't think it's true. I mean, if you read about how Jones fractures come about, it's a stress fracture by very definition comes from stress. But the, the I think his. Vrabel's response to that yesterday was definitive in that, hey, uh, don't jump to conclusions. I'm not sure why you're doing that. that well, he, you asked the question, yeah, and that was his answer he's, to you. He's dismissing, that's where the Titans aren't characterizing what the injury is. They never admit it's a Jones fracture, a stress fracture, whatever. They've let everybody else do the reporting on that. All they admitted yesterday is the surgery is happening. Right. And it just happens to line up with the same return time as a Jones As fracture. everybody else's. A Jones fracture is that everybody's reporting. Correct. Um, coming up, life without Henry means what for A.J. Brown and Ryan Tannehill? So there's the discussion about, okay, they need a couple of weeks to figure things out and what they, how, they, how they move forward and what they can do. I'm going to tell you what they can't do. 
and what they've been doing and the trends that are pointing in the opposite direction, even when Derrick Henry's on the field. That's next on Outkick 360. Coming up, PK gives us three things to watch this week as the Titans begin preparations for the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. Outkick 360 rolls on. So some areas where the Titans have been very, very good. Uh, and then some areas where they have declined offensively. Even th- this is prior to Henry's injury. Um, I-, I want to start with the the good. Uh, and that is play-action pass. Um and, and the connection and the elite rhythm and rapport that Tannehill and A.J. Brown have. They had it last year. They were getting it back over the last two weeks. The explosion was back in this offense as he returned. Um, and this is his numbers through the first four games that he played. Ten catches for 25. Uh, ten catches, 130 yards on 25 targets. So 15 times the pass is incomplete. The last two games... Um, last three games, excuse me, 25 catches on 29 targets. Ball's not hitting the ground when you throw it to A.J. Brown. And it goes for 379 yards over the th- last three games he's played. Uh, first four games, A.J. played again, 10 catches, 130 yards. Now, let's get to play He wasn't action. able to open up, right? The, the hamstring was keeping right. him from opening up. And, in those and now games. it's back. But, but now they go into a stretch where they've got to figure out without – the threat and the box loaded. Some cases, you're seeing a goal line defense at the 40-yard line with nine men in the box trying to defend Henry. It's, it's crazy. And the Titans were taking advantage of that with their play action. The last two games, Tannehill on play action pass, 14 of 18, 256 yards and two touchdown passes. The previous six games, 29 of 48 for 422 yards and a touchdown. So... He has one more touchdown over the last two than the previous six. And he has just under, yeah, he's got right at 10 catches or uh, 15 completions less on play action than what he did over the last two games. So that 14 of 18 is over the last two games? Yes. See, that encourages me a little bit because it's not that much, right? So I think play action certainly gets harder now, right? Though I am from the school of thought that you don't have to be running well for people to buy the play action. I just think there'll be fewer people coming, right? Because you're not, you're not worried We're about, about to find Derek out Henry. if that's true. Yeah, you're not worried about Derrick Henry. Fewer people are going to be coming. But well, that that's why play action works. Nine attempts is um, is not a lot. Nine attempts a game. They're having great success with it, but it's not a ton. So. It's not uh, like I, with Henry, they've been running a slew of play, play action. They've been picking their spots. I know we've had guests on the past who believe that who is at running back doesn't matter for play action. That is complete BS when it comes to Derrick Henry. Watch any team defend play action with Derrick Henry in the game versus someone 30 else. 30 of the plays that Watch they run the go Chiefs. to Henry. Watch the Chiefs get sucked in on every play action. You're not doing that with Deontay Foreman in the game. Or with most running backs across the league. Uh, to me, it's totally different with Derrick Henry. I, I've talked to Peyton Manning about this, and uh, I, I've always marveled. Like, I, I, when I covered the Colts, I wrote a story about, like, why would you buy play action against the Colts? You're going to get hit. So just stay. And everybody said it just doesn't work that way. You have to honor the, the, the fake. 
which I couldn't believe. And this is even, you know, with Edger and James out of the game. They said you have to honor the fake. What I'm thinking here, though, is you have nine people who would be sucked in against Henry. And here you'd be a little less sucked in and it'd only be eight because the ninth guy is is going to be playing coverage anyway. So it, it's going to be easier uh it's it's not not as much is going to come on the play action certainly, but it's still going to have an effect. Well, it's it's tough to use the Colts as the example when you have two Pro Football Hall of Famers receiving the football from another Hall of Fame quarterback. Uh, right now, the Titans have Julio Jones on the mend and AJ Brown, and they don't have any other options beyond those two that are really making their making their money on play action. Well, that's what I was saying about the Colts. Why would you ever go towards the running right. back but when Paul, you have those? There's a different. So here's the way I would put it. You know, there's a different level of commitment. Yes, you can't just ignore the possibility they're going to run the ball. But when it's Derrick Henry in the backfield, the level of commitment when you move up and know it's going to take multiple bodies to probably bring that guy down, it's different. Here's the analogy I would use. If I drive the basketball down low and the Dikembe Mutombo's in front of me, I am pump faking not to try to draw a foul, but because he's going to block my shot. If I don't, most of the time you're pump faking to just go draw a foul, but you still think you could go up and shoot it and get the shot off. That's the difference between buying the fake and going in against Derrick Henry versus going in against 90% of the league. 95% of the league is probably more apt. Listen, I, I agree with the general thinking on play action, but I talk to a lot of football people who are a lot smarter than I am who insist that play action isn't dependent not just on the back, but isn't dependent on successful running, generally speaking. So I'm curious to see how it works. And I think that that uh, my bigger concern with A.J. Brown is that he's going to be doubled all the time. Pass, play action, whatever. That You're automatically going to say, well, I used to devote an extra body to Derrick Henry, and I'm devoting an extra body to A.J. Brown. But if play now. action the isn't predicated guy. on the run, then what does it matter? Throw it to someone else. Well, that, uh, the the thing is that the someone else is not as dangerous when he gets the ball. Obviously. But you weren't in, you weren't in line with making a move for a receiver. I am. Like I, I think they have to bring someone in. They haven't traded for anyone. Well, the guy. I mean, we we go in circles on this. The guy I want them to bring in is named Julio Jones. He's he's a few feet away, standing on the sideline. Correct, and he's going to be that way for the remainder of the year. I'm I'm a realist here. I'm not wishing on a a star, a shooting star, that all of a sudden he's going to finish the season and play every single game. Well, he sat his games. Now he needs to be healthy and play his games. He's going he's gonna to be healthy and then sit and then be healthy again and sit. And he stretch that hamstring out. I mean, he needs to do proper, some proper stretching. That's just what has happened here. Um, and I think they know that. That's why they're being extra careful even on a slight pull. I don't think, and, and I, I, I really don't think John Robinson thinks this way. We've seen it when he just cuts bait with guys quickly. I don't think you let past decisions affect what you do moving forward when you get different evidence of something else going on. So now that you have the evidence that, hey, brought in Julio Jones with the expectation he was going to play and be that number two guy, that's not happening because he's not playing. I don't think you sit on the preconceived thoughts of what Julio Jones is going to be, Paul, like you're doing right now with Julio Jones. You want him to be what they brought him in to be. That's fine. Every Titans fan wants that, right? That's not happening, and it's not going to happen. So you either sit back and do nothing, or you put the evidence in front of you, know what you know now, 
and go make a but move. You see, go do something. Well, the but trade here's what I know. It's, it's not just about Julio Jones here. I'm not critis- critical of Julio Jones. I'm critical of Josh Reynolds, yeah. who they signed. Because if, if, he, if you hit on him as a key number three, then you can have some wiggle room here and have a guy who can step up occasionally and make some big plays. He's not doing that. Nick Westbrook-Akina, Chad mentioned there are certain players who have maxed out ceiling-wise. This guy's doing everything he possibly can. Michael Pruitt, same thing. I, at I tight love end. those guys because they're they, giving everything they no can to this team they, from no their doubt. ability. But they, they cannot take the top off a of defense unless it's A.J. Brown. And A.J.'s about to get covered a lot more thoroughly than what we have seen in the past because you don't have to load the box right now. No matter if Adrian Peterson's back there or not, uh, and that's where play... And, and here's the other thing, and here's the negative... Uh, that they've got to shore up, no matter who's catching the football. Tannehill's interceptions. That, that turning the football over has got to stop. The uh, penalties, while you can, every game's going to have penalties, they have to do away with those mental errors that are unforced. And the reason for that is you don't have a back on second and 15 that's going to get you 11 yards and set you up in third and manageable. Henry could do that. He had that explosion play. Not every time. But again, it, it, there, there's just a different way to distribute the football now than what we saw in the past, where on second and long, you could still turn around and hand me the football. When you're down 14 points in this offense now, can you stick with the run? Because that's what the Titans did with Derrick Henry. If you can't, you're screwed. I also would have liked to seen them. We had this conversation the other day. I would have gone tight end ahead of wide receiver to diversify things a little bit. And then on the off chance that Julio Jones is healthy, you could have had those two wide receivers plus a functional tight end who would have elevated it from Michael Pruitt. Let Michael Pruitt be the two. Get yourself a legitimate number one tight end, a position that they've practically ignored, lucked into Pruitt. The other two are non-entities. Not every receiver, not every interception's on the, the quarterback. Sometimes it could be receiver, offensive line, sure. all that. But numbers point to certain things. And the last couple of years... Tannehill has been very good where you can say, well, the, the interceptions aren't always on the quarterback. Tannehill very, very rarely threw a bad pick. We some, we've seen some, big, uh, some bad throws from him over the course of this season. Um, and he has seven interceptions right now. He had seven all of last year. He had six in 2019. And That's a bad trend. Among quarterbacks that threw at least 700 passes from 2019 and 2020, not counting this year, Tannehill was top five quarterback in interception rate. He was great. Great. He's up there with Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees and pulling the numbers with Patrick Mahomes. There's a big reason why Patrick Mahomes doesn't look all that great. He's throwing picks this year. Uh, Gardner Minshew was in the top five. He protected the football for Jacksonville. And the, the same rate applies for Ryan Tannehill. And that's got to, Tannehill needs to, everyone's pointing to Tannehill can now grab that brass ring and be that guy. He's been that guy. He's got to be closer to what we've seen the last two years and not the Tannehill of this year with the, the future Hall of Fame running back in the backfield. Yeah, he can't be giving the ball up the, with some of those throws that he has with Henry missing. Everybody's got to up their game. A lot of it's going on to his shoulders with that bad neck. And uh, but let's, let's start, go back that's a good to, place for it to start. Let's go back to who can up their game. I don't think A.J. Brown can go up much more than what we saw against the Colts. Julio Jones, obviously, he's a future Hall of Famer. He's got a different level. And that starts with him getting healthy. Showing up. Uh, the Nick Westbrook Aquinas, the Michael Pruitts, they're not going up. I'm putting Anthony Ferkser in that group, too. Ferkser can go up. 
He can show a, a up little, open, but his somewhere. ability is not going to suddenly no. be some defining well, moment. But for the the, Titans he hasn't done anything compared to what he did last without year. without them. He had a big ten catch game for 140 yards or whatever last year against. Yeah, Houston. this and year he had a big one catch game. Can they? Can they? I know. Can he do more? Yes. But Ryan Tannehill's the guy that we know can be a lot better, right? I mean, if you're just looking for the easy, hey, now the Titans can adjust and do something, it's Tannehill being better. But I don't, I don't want to get the argument twisted here. It also, it's also on the O-line, too. Like, the, the, the sacks that have been allowed, some of the pressure here. Like, it, everything's just got to take a, a real big step forward where you can't have liabilities across the front and then that affect your quarterback, and then that in turn affect what you're doing in the pass game. Because again, I think there's this broad brushstroke of, well, they can still stick with the run, and they can do, keep it, they, no matter the score, I've hammered this home, no matter the score, with Derrick Henry in the backfield, you can still run the football. That is huge for an offense based on running the football. Not happening anymore. That's my point. Run-pass so, ratio is going to change, and with the run-pass ratio changing... The run blocking of the offensive line, like you're saying, is going to go up. Yes. They've always been able to rely on they're going to run and the offensive line can run block. Well, they're going to have to pass block more. That's an area, Chad, like you're saying, where guys can get better. Dylan Radins getting uh, Ryan Tannehill crushed on the second-to-last snap of the game in regulation. You can't have that. I mean, they got Otherwise, be we're going to be saying that Logan Woodside I mean, needs to be better. That's one where... Paul, I know you were talking about Julio Jones earlier. I mean, they, they've, the line has got to be better. They were drafted in positions to be better. Some of them are paid to be better than they are right now. And they all have the ability to be better. Yeah. We've been hard on Dylan Radins and on John Robinson for that pick. Dylan Radins can be better than what we saw on Sunday. He has to be. Has to. There's no excuse to not be better. That is a right tackle of a draft pick. You're right. Who is playing Second guard and who was terrible at guard. He can be better. Second round pick. There's no excuse. And there's no babying these guys. That's the other thing about all this. There's no more hand-holding, pampering going on with young players on this team. It is go time. Without Derrick Henry, it's go time for everyone, but it it is time time. to step up and be an NFL player. I agree with you, Chad, but the the luxury of their start has enabled this this, uh, ability now to just work things out. And again... If you look at what the Colts have to do to win the division and what the Titans have to do to win the division, they need to beat the Jags. They need to beat Houston twice. Those are the games you can't lose. You can't lose another Jets game. No. Um, Beat Houston twice, beat the Jags, and then take care of one other AFC opponent on your schedule. If you do that, you're winning the division, and guess what you're doing? You're hosting a playoff game. At worst, you're a four seed. At worst. Yep. So uh, keep all of that in mind. They have time to figure it out, but the ball distribution is going to be a lot different than what we've seen where 30 of your 55 to 60 plays, you say 18 play action over two two games is not that much, half of your plays a game were going to 22. Now, now, I mean, what percentage do we think Peterson gets versus Foreman versus McNichol? I have no idea, but I think it evolves over time and you you try to manage where you have uh, on first and second down, you have a, a mix and match of backs that can give you something. But we know the guy who's not there could give you everything, uh, no matter the down and distance or the score. Paul, three things that you are watching for as we uh, begin to find out more details of the Titans' preparations for the Rams. They do that tomorrow. Well, we'll see Peterman. Uh, Peterman. Peterman. 
the catalog. We'll see Peterson on the field tomorrow for the first time with Foreman. <clears throat> we'll see 15 minutes of that during practice. I mean, that's the first thing in this game. You want to see what they begin to do for this running back by committee. Um, <clears throat> maybe we'll meet Peterson tomorrow. Maybe we'll be told he's he's too busy. They, <laughs> they Well, I mean, I, understandably, you know, the guy on his first day on the field, Tony yeah. Dews said today, you know, all he could do is talk to him and know what he's done, but he can't get a sense of what he can do until he sees him on the field tomorrow. They've game planned. They're game planning right now for the Rams. Mm-hmm. So they have to plan for what they think they can do with these two guys before they get them on the field. I think the game plan will be kind of adjusted a little bit after they, they see them on the field. The Rams are 11th against the run. They're giving up 103 yards per game, 4.4 yards per carry, so there will be some opportunity there. It's not the same as with Derrick Henry in the plan, but that, that's number one. Secondly, the Rams are really good in the middle of the game. I found this a little bit odd. They've scored 85 points in the second quarter and 68 points in the third quarter. Ooh. So they settle into the game, and then they rip you apart in the middle. Um, they got you. It's not a good idea, probably, to let them have the ball at the end of the first half and the beginning of the second half. This is where they do their damage. You only have so much control over that based on deferring uh, the coin toss and all of that stuff. But you probably need to do some things in the first quarter yourself to brace yourself for what they're capable of doing in the second and the third quarter. Don't wait. To, to get your offense going when you're figuring things out. Yeah. You might want to get A.J. Brown involved. This is just a suggestion <laughs> in the first quarter. Uh, just a thought. That it I'm is allowed. Having. It yeah. is allowed. And Cooper Cup, you guys know I am in love with Cooper Cup. He has 63 catches, 25 more than Robert Woods, their number two guy. He is the singular focus of the passing offense. He accounts for one-third of their catches, 37% of their passing yards, 45% of their receiving touchdowns. Singular coverage of this guy would be nice. It's hard to expect it. But Christian Fulton could be back this week, and boy, do they need him. I would travel Christian Fulton with this guy with help all day long. If you don't slow down Cooper Cup, I don't think you have a chance of holding down the Rams. Oh, think uh, about the Rams. They're, they're preparing for the Titans today. Um, the Titans are preparing for Cooper Cup and uh, other uh, Robert Woods. I mean, there, there are a number of receivers. And the Rams say, oh, A.J. Brown's playing. Jalen Ramsey, go cover him. Yeah. And it's done. It's that simple. Next. Right. So, I mean, for, for the, oh, we need to double A.J. Brown. You have a you have a top tier corner man, uh, corner in the league that shuts down probably the best top, guy in the league top running backs or uh, top wide receivers on the regular. Like it, it's very intriguing the difference in the mentality of how you go about stopping the Rams. Uh, Stafford, ten touchdown passes over the last three games. That's a lot. They let it fly. They're really good. I'm really excited to see this stadium and report back to you guys because uh, I'm expecting. You know, every once in a while, Hut, and you've experienced this, you go to a city with a new building, and it's the new standard, unlike anything you've ever seen. I will be showing up early, doing a a full tour, sending a lot of pictures. But this place is unlike anything we've seen, right? 
I remember going to Dallas. It was the uh, the first game there, preseason game, where the Trapasio or whatever his name was hit the scoreboard with the with a punt. Oh, AJ Trapasso. Um, so I don't know what will happen on the Titans' first adventure to SoFi, but uh, it would be very cool to see this building. Is that the same preseason where Fisher ran that? It was the Hall of Fame game. They had five preseason games, and he ran the reverse. I don't know if that was the same game or not. Well, with well, Trapasso. was with yeah. Trapasso. Well, he was only here well, they for had the, the old so. Oilers uniforms for the yeah. Hall of Fame game. Yeah. yeah. 2008, I believe. Might have been. 2007. I can't remember. Um, final thing, Deshaun Jackson – Ram uh, released. They play the Rams this week. I would claim him in a heartbeat. He, if he could I do will it. take. I'm with uh, you at receiver he's there. He's different claim. than anything they have. I, I, I would expect uh, you at least call and, and try to acquire him via trade. He was allowed to seek a trade. Uh, one point, uh, one and a half million is remaining on his deal. He had like a roster bonus coming up per game that he played that was pretty hefty. It was all backloaded, it looked like. Um, Titans are up against the cap. I don't know their exact number. I just want to throw this out there, though. So the idea of a waiver claim, you claim the player, you claim the contract. And with that in mind, what the Titans have to do structurally, if anybody can do it, Vin Marino can do it. But, Paul, for, for the fans who don't know the, the rules of this, you claim the contract. It's not like you just cut a player and you're off the hook for a salary to make room for another because some of this money counts against your cap at this point. And this changes today. If you cut him. Right. After the trade deadline, then everybody who's cut is subject to waiver claim. Right, right. As opposed to before, where vested veteran is automatically a free agent. Um, so it's not just as simple as add one, cut another, save the money, and make it work. There, there's a lot of complicated factors to it. Uh, but here's hoping that the Titans could put a claim in, if, they, if, it, if possible, um, and, and make it work. That, 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 that's a type of weapon. That that's a type of weapon I'm talking about. Someone that can push the field uh, and give you uh, a bit of an advantage on the opposite side. A guy that you feel like is going to be consistent. A guy that you can count on if he's active. It's going to be a producer for you no matter where you are on the field. That's the type of player I'm talking about adding. That guy's got juice. Um, uh, and if, if anybody's going to play well against the Rams this week, you would hope it would be Josh Reynolds. Uh, but I don't know if he can play special teams. Will he, you know, yeah, will he be inactive. active? Maybe That's he's inactive a big for question. special teams. Coming up. Chad's thoughts on the Tennessee Volunteers getting healthier. And we assess uh, a little bit of news with Vandy and their willingness to name their stadium. That's next on Outkick 360. Balls preparing for the Wildcats. The Commodores preparing to name their stadium. I don't know if it'll actually go to the I highest bidder. It'll take a while. I don't know if it'll actually go to the highest bidder. But uh, we'll see. Outkick 360 rolls on. Um, let's start with Vandy. So Vandy's open to uh, naming their stadium, giving, selling the naming rights to their stadium. The question is, who wants to attach their name to that stadium? I, that's what I would be thinking uh, well, if I own a business. It is uh, attaching your name to Vanderbilt University and attaching your name to Vanderbilt Stadium. Stadium. To that place, two very different things. Uh, I think the understanding would be that they're doing something to the stadium to go along with paying for the naming rights to the you stadium. Get in in front of that. I saw one uh, suggestion to stick with the nautical theme of the Commodores to go with Captain D's <laughs> stadium. <laughs> would make a lot of sense. 
Um, Vandy, it's, it's rare that I, you see just the announcement that... Extra Krispies. It's a for sale sign. Yeah, we're open for business, right? Like they actually released... A, they put one on the stadium. They should put it on the back. They like, released the... Naming uh, rights for sale. They released the, you know, the, the, the this is what we're doing. We're going to sell the naming rights to the stadium. Kentucky's done it with Kroger Field, and I know a lot of other, uh, your, your more traditional football programs Louisville. have had fun with that. Papa John yeah. Stadium with Louisville. Is it still that? I, don't, I doubt is it. Is that? I don't know. Maybe Now that Shaq's involved with Papa John's, maybe it's okay again. I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to follow. And it, I think it's, you know, more than anything, shows what, I got to be careful how I say this, shows what Vanderbilt people hope is another sign of a new era yeah. of Vanderbilt yeah. athletics, both revenue generation and spending. And more importantly, spending. But how lucrative yes. can Correct. it be? To make money. How lucrative can it be? Well, um, for next year, right? I mean, that, that's what we're talking about. You are mentioned anytime you are on TV, it's mentioned. You get some, some sort of. There's some value. I think value whatever there, the plan right? is for the stadium, Candace Story Lee Long would range. then present that to yeah. these clients and say, here's where your name's going to be. Here's how we'll utilize video board, different things they're going to do to implement your brand with Vanderbilt All right, But if I'm having that conversation, I'm saying, Candace, I've been listening to conversations about this stadium for years. Again, it's so bad. That stadium is so bad right now. I don't know why anyone would want to associate their brand with the current stadium. Yeah. I can understand associating with That's Vanderbilt Athletics price so would not do it with that stadium. So it's got to be a promise mm-hmm. of, hey, here are the plans. With There's the no shovel in the ground yet, but here's it. what we're going to do. Yes. I think that has got to be part of the deal. You would hope. The Vols preparing for Kentucky, and I know Alex Golish was asked uh, in some media availability about what he thinks of uh, teams faking injuries to, to halt the, the pace of play. And he said, look, um, I, I'm paraphrasing. He said, look, you control what you control. If I'm, if I'm my guys on the field and he's up in the booth, he goes, if I'm down there, I'm thinking, oh, th- these guys are mentally weak. They can't keep up with us. Well, it's you know it's it's, fun, it, it's a it's amazing that um, you kind of see what you get from coordinators that speak to the media when you know Jeremy Pruitt wouldn't allow assistant coaches to speak most weeks, but every week every assistant coach for Tennessee or at least the two coordinators speak much like you would hear in the NFL. Um, Alex Golish, first off, health said we are close to a full stable of players now in offense with Hendon Hooker getting healthier, Jabari Small, Tyon Evans getting healthier, and the offensive line back said. This is the best chance we've had in a while to really run the football in this backstretch of the season, in this final month. That's encouraging for Tennessee. They're going to need to do it against Kentucky. Biggest thing, though, for me with, with this matchup with Kentucky, we'll get into my big three things for this game later in the week. Tim Banks in that defense. Kentucky's 12th in the SEC right now in offense. All the promise they showed with a passing game, a sophisticated passing game, early this season, once they started facing SEC competition, went away. I thought it was refreshing to hear Tim Banks. He was asked today, did you expect to have to lead the nation in tackles for loss with your defensive philosophy at this point in the season? Because Tennessee leads the nation in tackles for loss. And he said, no, there's no way I could have I known that. It's the players doing it. You know, my defense is one thing, but it's really the players that have exceeded expectations when it comes to that. That was a chance for him to kind of gloat a little bit and talk about his defensive scheme and what they're going to do. I thought that was refreshing that, that he said that. Um, key for Tennessee, though, the number one key, two weeks to get ready for a Kentucky team that did not look good at all on Saturday night in Starkville. 
Let the sleeping dog lie in this game. Do not give them a reason to get overly confident on offense. On the flip side, Tennessee's tempo has affected everyone to varying extents. It's affected everyone who's seen it for the first time, though. you got to keep that up. To keep that up, successful run plays on first down. That's been the key to this offense. When they get seven or more yards on first down, that's when the tempo starts to affect you because that's when they're picking up quick first downs and snapping the ball quickly. When they get it moving down the field, they're set up over the football so much quicker than the defense is ready. That's going to be another key. Coming up on Wednesday, J.P. Aaron Sibia will be in studio with us. We'll be recapping Game 6. Could it be a Braves World Series victory? Ike Taylor, former defensive back for the Steelers, on the show. Plus, Vrabel and Tannehill talk. Adrian Peterson on the practice field. A lot to discuss. We hope you'll join us for Outkick 360 starting at 2 o'clock Central. Go Braves. In the meantime, don't block the box. Do lock the locks.